You're listening to Radio Free Edville. It's Edville on the radio for free. I'm Roy Thomas Padgham. It's Friday, February 5th, and this is your Edville Gazette, brought to you this week in association with News Now Network. Snowbirds face loss of citizenship and exile. Confiscated assets will fund Serb payments to teens by Missy Blingpunk. Fort Lauderdale. Formerly shiny, happy Canadians enjoying a not winter on some balmy beach somewhere are now frustrated and fuming. Until this week, Ottawa has advised them not to leave Canada, in keeping with the Prime Minister's please, please, please pandemic strategy. But they went anyway, and now they must pay. New regulations require Canadian snowbirds to take a COVID test upon their return to Canada and to spend at least three days of their 14-day quarantine in a designated isolation hotel at their own expense. This policy has not impressed many of the Canadians who are even now sojourning in the US. I'm not going to pay $2,000 a person for three nights, says Claudine Durand of La Chine, Quebec. That's ridiculous, huh? Sources tell the Gazette that the feds are sick and tired of playing footsie with stubborn Canadian seniors. They're just like teenagers, said a PMO official on condition of anonymity. They do whatever the hell they like. What's worse, our polling shows they'll never vote Liberal again as long as they live. Even more draconian measures are now under review, including the permanent exile of all Canadians who flout the new quarantine measures and the freezing of their assets. There is even talk of rescinding the citizenship of the worst of the troublemakers. If Ottawa does indeed move to expropriate the assets of Canadian retirees abroad, insiders insist that every penny of the windfall will be used to backfill the $636 million it paid Canadian teenagers in Serb benefits. We're doing the best we can to mitigate the impact of the pandemic, said the source inside the PMO, while ensuring that anyone approaching voting age will vote Liberal. Asked her opinion on what some economists are calling intergenerational wealth transfer by stealth, renowned youth expert and Gazette contributor Crystal BB Diamonds 16 stated, This is actually like so freaking totally, seriously and literally sick news, 100, 100, 100, since prom got hashtag cancelled, skull emoji, the worst news ever, crying emoji. It's kind of the least they could do to make up for ruining our lives. Flying dollar sign emoji, flying dollar sign emoji. (coughs) Opinion, Farmer. I'm just not sure about farming seaweed by Edna Farmer. Edville. Well, what do you know? I read this week that seaweed farming off the coast of BC is reaching a fever pitch and it appears to have something to do with Jeff Bezos, who has given the World Wildlife Fund a big donation to develop markets for cultivated seaweed. Now, the last time I had a close encounter with seaweed was when Mr. Farmer lost his favourite crankbait out on the lake, and he was none too pleased about it, let me tell you. But according to an outfit called the Seaweed for Europe Coalition, the kelp market could be worth billions. Which is funny, because there's a nice retired professor in BC who's been out in his rowboat harvesting seaweed since the 1980s. And until now, 
No one wanted to know. Poor man. So what's changed? Rising concern around impacts of climate change and the corresponding interest in plant-based foods means North American consumers are ready to consider seaweed as a fresh or dried whole food item, says one prominent seaweed booster. Whether it be in salads, soups, dried snacks, as a vegetable dish or mixed into bread or plant-based burgers. Well, If the Europeans really think people are ready to consider kelp salads, and frankly, I have my doubts, these maverick seaweed rancheros will have to get in line behind the cricket crunchers and the mealworm munchers and the lab-grown steak alchemists. There is one interesting side note to this story, though. Evidently, when you feed seaweed to cattle, they release less methane, a lot less So here's a marketing tip for all you newbie kelp farmers. When you're going toe-to-toe with the edible insect and lab-grown meat conglomerates, make sure your advertising says that seaweed dramatically reduces human methane. This will come as great news for the environment and a breath of fresh air for all the families living in close quarters during the lockdown. Badger The hipsters are still bailing on cities, experts say, by Dick Badger. Edville. I know, I know. You see that header and you think, I'm really fucking busy today, so I'm going to give that article a pass and scroll right down to Hedy's advice for middle-aged sex pods. Big mistake. You're going to love this. So here's a question. How would you study the migration patterns of young, bored bohemians? Stats can? Census data? Maybe call up the Max Planck Institute for Demographic Research? Negative. The authoritative source is now U-Haul. I shit you not. The DIY Moving Truck Company has released a study that tracks the movement of Canadian urbanites according to patterns of rental pickup and drop-off locations. According to press coverage of this study, the top five cities people are moving to are North Bay, North Van... Kingston, Belleville, and Barrie. And where are they coming from? U-Haul says Toronto and Montreal saw the fastest outmigration on record between mid-2019 and mid-2020. Not all COVID-related. So now we live in a world where expertise on migration dynamics is synonymous with gentle ride suspension and low-deck easy-load ramp. What's next? U-Haul University? As you likely anticipated, I was originally going to use this column to squawk about how Edville isn't among the top destinations for all these ex-urban hipsters. But then it hit me. The uptown nomads transforming Edville into a world centre of culture and commerce don't show up in fucking U-Haul trucks. They come in limos and private jets, baby! But even this isn't the main point. The main point here is the total fucking genius of a DIY trucking company figuring out how to get this kind of primo free publicity and the bozos running our national media playing along with straight faces. Brilliant. I wish I'd thought of it. Local. From the archives. Groundhog Day, Edville Style, by Shirley Stickle. Edville. 
With Groundhog Day upon us, let's burrow into the Edville archives to dig out how we came to have our very own Marmot meteorologist, Edward, or as he is now so lovingly known, Eddie. Our Eddie comes from a long line of weather-prognosticating, hibernating, pocket-sized mammals dating from the founding of Edville way back in the olden days. His great-great-great-great-grandfather, Edgar, was beloved by the loyalists who settled the area, for they knew that without him, they would have no idea when the horrible Canadian winter might end. Our sweet boy, Edgar, was the first weather-telling whistle-pig in Canada, pontificating on seasonal weather patterns to all wannabe furry forecasters across our great dominion, and his teachings have been passed down ever since. Despite this august pedigree, Edgar's descendants, our own Eddie VI included, have been overshadowed, pun intended, by more media-savvy rock chucks like Wyatt and Willie and Dundas Donna. It is a cruel twist of history, with which the residents of Edville are only too familiar. Nowadays, Eddie carries on his ancestors' great tradition of rodent fortune forecasting. This year, the little fella did see his shadow and has retreated back into his humble abode to wait out the rest of this wretched winter. For it looks like there will be another six to eight weeks of it. So bundle up, folks. Don't forget to pay homage to our little man this week by popping by his hole in the ground next to the big old oak tree down at the mill pond. His favourite snacks are carrots, grubs, craft dinner and baby birds. What is that marvellous scent, darling? Gwyneth Vagina, you don't say. By Hedy Bunt. Edville. So here's the thing. I love scented candles, and I'm always open to new fragrance. But I have to admit, the idea of a candle smelling like someone's vagina, even if it is that of the lovely and talented Gwyneth Paltrow, is downright unappealing. Paltrow's Goop website describes the perfume as geranium, citrusy, bergamot, and cedar absolutes juxtaposed with damask rose and ambrette seed. That actually sounds as delightful as it does unlikely. And on what occasion would I want to burn such a candle? Dinner with the in-laws? Cards with the girls? Perhaps after a day fishing at the cabin? Heady, whatever is that distinctive scent? Oh, why, that's Gwyneth's vagina. Cue uncomfortable silence. Now, I truly admire any woman willing to put herself out there, but I can't imagine wanting my darling hair bunt inhaling the aroma of another girl's naughty bits. But this apparently did appeal to a woman in London, England, who purchased one for her home. And upon arriving at a suitable candle-burning time, she lit the $75 candle. But rather than be surrounded by the heavenly scent of Miss Paltrow's secret garden, a rather unruly fire began and the candle exploded. The candle emitted huge flames with bits flying everywhere, said the woman. I've never seen anything like it. There was an inferno in the room. A goop spokesperson has... Dog's not impressed. A goop spokesperson has since claimed that they weren't able to verify the candle's authenticity. After all, Gwyneth's vagina has never been known to spontaneously combust. But it is on fire. And that's hot. Series. Kids and geezers are LMAO. Kids Corner. 
Exams are more worse than fuckboys. By Crystal BB Diamonds 16. Brighton. Hey fam, hope life is going Gucci for you. Cause for us in high school, it's, well, fucking shitty. Crying emoji. Recap of last week. School. Hey, so we know the world literally sucks grimy ass, ATM, but you gotta do exams online. Teachers. Why letter question marks? Student. Why letter more question marks? Parents. Why letter many question marks in bold and bomb emojis? Can't we just, like, do some community service and help old people find their glasses and buy their cigarettes or take shelter puppies on walks? Why do exams when there are clearly more pressing problems out there? Even horny boys on Snapchat are nicer than making kids who don't give a fat F do online exams. That's all for now. Wash your hand emoji, hand emoji, Z, and face mask emoji. Always remember to clear your search history after you use the fam laptop. Bye, XOXO heart emojis. Grandpa, stop lying. We know you smoking your camels in the shed after dinner. Seniors Corner. Dipshit stands to lose millions in Bitcoin. Shares his feelings by Buster Fogg. Brighton. Well, you know what I think of CBC Radio. From where I stand, the handful of people still listening fell out of their mobility scooters and can't reach the off switch. So last week, the missus and I were cleaning up after supper and she turned on the radio just in time to hear some dipshit from San Francisco yammering on about Bitcoin. Get this. This sad sack of shit has forgotten the password to the thingamajig that holds his Bitcoin stash, which is now worth more than $300 million. And the poor guy has tried everything he can think of to jack his own memory. But no dice. He's entered eight passwords, like the name of his first pet goldfish and his grade one teacher. But he's still S-O-L. At 10 guesses, the password thingy shuts down forever, and he's fully, permanently fucked. So you might think a guy with $300 million would be spending his spare time with every encryption expert money can buy. Or maybe he realises that he's a world-class pud and shouldn't be broadcasting it all over the place. But no, there he is, pissing and moaning on the CBC about his feelings. After I realised I lost the coins, I was completely destroyed, he says. Like, when I think back to that, it's hard to even wrap my head around how I felt those couple of weeks. And I tried everything. I'd stay up all night trying different ideas for how to recover it, or just, like, staring at the ceiling for hours. You know, just what you imagine you would do if you lost that sort of money. Like, dude, I can, like, fully imagine, I really can. My mutt once ate a winning lottery ticket that I left laying around, and I felt, like, completely destroyed. This is the first time I've ever mentioned it to anyone. Maybe I should go on the CBC, too, and talk about my feelings. Don't hurt, don't hurt, don't hurt my feelings. Don't hurt, don't hurt, don't hurt my feelings. Style. Living your best lockdown life. DIY skincare tips. Wash, snack, repeat. By Mabel Lean. Edville. We might be stuck inside this winter, but we all know that doesn't mean those pesky winter skin problems are on lockdown too. 
We've all seen the mask knee remedy lists and the makeup with a mask tutorials. That humanity ever survived without the internet is truly astounding. But what about when you're not running to the grocery store, heading into work, or pretending you're not browsing Netflix during yet another Zoom meeting that could have been an email? Ask any model and they'll tell you the key to that cover spread glow is healthy skin. So, while investing in the latest primer definitely won't hurt, with the notable exception of your wallet, it won't save you from looking like a real-life version of that granny filter on Snapchat. I mean, these beauty tips can only do so much. We all end up looking more raisin than sun-made eventually. There's no need to help the process along. Am I right? So here's a step-by-step guide to smooth, radiant skin, whether it's July or January. First things first, you want to make sure you keep your skin clean, but also moisturized. That's really important if you don't want your face flaking like a pastry come February. Step 1. Cleanse. Cleansing your face with oil will change your life. By maintaining your skin's moisture barrier, while delivering powerful antioxidants and important fatty acids, oil cleansing is like Gatorade for the skin. Now most beauty bloggers are pushing coconut, avocado or hemp oils for this essential step in your skincare routine. But here's a trade secret. Now more than ever, you don't need to drop your hard-earned cash on expensive serums and oils. Try cooking spray. That's right. That can of oil spray you've had in your pantry since the BT, that's before Teflon era, is all you need. Just spray enough of it in your hand to lightly coat your face and neck. Three or four sprays will do the trick. Step two, DIY moisture mask, optional. It's common knowledge that fish is a great source of nutrients for omnivores, but it's also great for your skin. A simple tuna salad mixture canned tuna and mayo applied to the face once a week will have your skin thanking you and asking you for more. You can also try canned salmon if you need a B vitamin boost or even canned cat food if you're on a budget. When it's time to remove your mask about 20 to 30 minutes after application just get a soft silicone spatula from the kitchen and load the mask onto cucumber slices and crackers before rinsing. You'll be saving money nourishing your precious skin and feeding the kids all in one shot. After you've laid out the yummy snack and rinsed your face, it's important to apply a gentle toner to balance the skin before your final moisturizer. Step three, toner. Now you've probably heard that diluted apple cider vinegar, ACV, is the go-to for DIY toners. But now is the perfect time to use up your junk drawer store of vinegar packets that have been sitting there for the last decade. You knew you'd need them eventually, and you were right. Simply empty the packets into an empty bottle, any bottle will do, and dilute until you have one part vinegar to two parts water. Soak a cotton pad with the toner and apply generously to your face, avoiding your eyes, of course. Now, you'll want to finish off with a nice light oil to hold that moisture and protect your beautiful pores from the harsh, dry winter. Step four, moisturize. The magazines and influencers will have you ordering serums and oil blends that, truth be told, cost way more than you need to spend. That can of cooking spray you used in step one comes back into play here. Two, three second sprays will give you the perfect amount of moisture and shine without being glossy. And that's it. You're good to go. Eating healthy never looks so good. Boys, just-
World. Help Wanted. All Charlies Report to the Chocolate Factory by Hugo Blue. Mississauga. Candy Funhouse, an online candy shop based in Mississauga, has put out a job ad seeking candyologists. At-home taste testers for a new brand-based candy line. The ad calls for applicants who are passionate about confectionery and have an eagerness and enthusiasm to try new products. Candidates must also work well with Oompa Loompas. I don't think enthusiastic applicants will be too difficult to find. Oh, let me just try this one again, said one taster. Mm, need another take on that one, said another. The job pays by the hour in eight-hour shifts, with Candy Funhouse looking for both full- and part-time bonbon enthusiasts to review over 3,000 products. Disclaimer, recruits might get super fat, but we won't judge. While possibly just new glaze on old strudel, hype for candyology has been growing steadily as culinary institutions everywhere open their doors to the candied arts. Organizations like the Canadian Centre for Advanced Candiology are even seeing an influx of new membership entirely under the age of eight. Candy Funhouse must have received countless applications by now. I myself have applied, but it isn't clear how they'll decide to issue their golden tickets. The lucky winners might want to keep in mind the imperishable words of Roald Dahl. Willy Wonka. Don't forget what happened to the man who got everything he wanted. Charlie Bucket. What happened? Willy Wonka. He lived happily ever after. So Cashing in on cryptids by Hugo Blue. Oklahoma City. Republican House member Justin Humphrey wants to issue state hunting licenses for none other than the fabled Bigfoot. The move is motivated by tourism, Humphrey says, and will draw more people to our already beautiful state, which must be lousy with Yeti because the bill also includes an allowance for trapping and a $25,000 bounty for capture. Perhaps a certain politician is a true believer? North America is well known for its infatuation with the notorious Sasquatch, real or imagined, but mostly imagined. Proof of its existence has become something of an institution for amateur sleuths and hairy mammal enthusiasts alike. The timing of this latest Sasquatch revival is not so surprising, given that 2021 has already seen a self-described shaman occupy Congress. Who can blame legislators for taking full advantage? Mr. Humphrey's office has been inundated with calls from believers and non-believers alike. The consensus among the non-believers is that the government should not waste its time on something that has no value. Obviously, they don't realise Bigfoot knows where the Ark of the Covenant is. The true believers, on the other hand, say that despite Bigfoot's extraordinary powers of concealment, he, and likely she, should be left in peace. If Mr Humphrey does manage to pull this hunting licence trick off, expect the government to cash in on other North American cryptids. The Jersey Devil, Chupacabra, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Since they've already let the crazy in, might as well make a buck off it. EU convenes emergency meeting to fix shoddy logo by Sarah Bruxelles. Brussels. Brexit wrangling and the escalating vaccine crisis have not prevented the EU from convening a three-day emergency meeting to address an embarrassing branding problem. 
This latest black eye came to world attention last week after a seven-year-old British finger painter, Evelyn Huxley Orwell, told his mother, a British trade negotiator, that no one can tell whether the logo shows two faces or just one. And they didn't even bother to put the yellow dot inside the circle. The younger Huxley Orwell protested, It's just shoddy work, Mum. The EU is facing turbulent times, an unnamed Eurocrat acknowledged in the wake of the logo debacle. Many future questions must be clarified. And with Ursula von der Leyen, the EU is looking ahead. I'm Roy Thomas Padgham, and this has been your Edville Gazette for Friday, February 5th. Join us again next week. The NewsNow Network is a fiercely independent news magazine serving the residents, businesses and civic organisations of Northumberland County. It is supported by local advertisers and free to readers. Visit newsnownetwork.ca.